Welcome to the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. My name is Natalie Nidham. I'm a nutritionist, a human potential, and epigenetic coach, and I created this podcast to bring you the latest ways to take control of your health and longevity. We cover it all, from new technology to ancestral health practices, personalized interventions, and a very special interest of mine, peptides. Enjoy the show. Hey folks, welcome back to the show. My guest today is going to talk to us all about hyperbaric oxygen therapy. My guest is a doctor by the name of Scott Share, And if you've ever researched hyperbaric oxygen therapy, you've probably come across his name. This guy's a true expert in the field. He is director of integrative hyperbaric medicine and health optimization at Hyperbaric Medical Solutions. And he is far from a one trick monkey. Um, Dr. Scott is incredibly knowledgeable in so many different areas. He educates on this subject. He works with patients. He works with clinicians. He just lives, eats, and you could say breathes the stuff pun intended. He's also proficient in a number of other areas, which is why we'll be recording other episodes down the road. But for today, it's all about hyperbaric oxygen therapy. So just as a reminder that nothing in this episode is meant to be medical advice before engaging in any such therapy, please make sure that you consult with your medical provider and doctor to make sure that this is right for you. And particularly when it comes to high pressure oxygen therapy, things can go sideways. They can also be magically healing. So it's all about the dose, the timing and the situation. So please make sure that you consult with a medical professional, maybe even Dr. Cher, if you uh, choose to, his information, his contact information is at the the end of the episode. Um, beyond that, if you're looking to get in touch with me, it's natnidham.com is my website. You can find me on Facebook in the Optimizing Superhuman Performance Group. You can find me on Instagram at Natalie Nidham. I'm really easy to find. And of course, if you get value out of this episode, please make sure that you share it with your friends and your networks, anybody who you feel will get value from it as well. And last but not least, if you love this podcast, please make sure that you leave us a review because that's what allows us to rise up in the rankings and be seen. So thank you so much for being here. I totally appreciate you guys. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Scott Sher. It is a pleasure to speak with you today. Nice yeah. to see you. Welcome back to Canada. <laughs> thank you. I've been popping in and out of Canada like a yo-yo lately, which never ceases to amaze people. <laughs> Like, what do you mean you're doing all this travel? How how do you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. I buy a plane ticket. I get on a plane. I you have all these relatives in the U.S. It helps too. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, but, I have relatives, and I've also I've been taking part in a bunch of different events. So right. conferences, yeah, conferences and such. So peptides and getting wild and good stuff. Yeah, peptides yeah. and getting wild. Just this last weekend, I was in Kentucky, and I have to say that. The part of Kentucky I was in really surprised me. I would Ooh. not have expected that from Kentucky. Yeah, not and it was, well, prior to that, it was really nice to finally meet you in person in Orlando. It's super cool to, to connect. And, um, you know, we've been talking about doing a podcast for a while, and I know you've been tracking me down as I've moved from Colorado, <laughs> from California to Colorado. So happy to be here, happy to chat and you know, spread the good word. Yeah, no, I'm thrilled. I mean, I'm continually amazed at the relationships that have been built over this last couple of years online. And um, yeah, yeah, me too. Right? Like, how did we meet? Like, it was first, oh my goodness, it was I first, it was I think, on that online summit. 
Congress or it was an online yeah. summit or something that I don't think anybody else showed up to except for you and I. And, and Dasha. And Dasha and Maximoff. <laughs> yeah. But we had fun. And we it had was a great time. Great to connect. And I and obviously you know, we have a lot of uh, similar interests and background and Boca Raton, Florida. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. A little bit of a cultural thing going on. There's a cultural thing going there too. Yeah. Okay. And a common love for oxygen, except that oh, I just oh, like to sure. breathe this stuff and you use it therapeutically. But before we get into that. Sure. Sure. Why don't you tell us a bit about your story, Dr. Cher, because you're, you're an MD, you're a medical doctor, and yet you are a, I would say you've become a bit of a pillar in the biohacking world. So tell yeah. us about your journey, because it would require a certain transition out of conventional medicine into this space. Sure. Yeah. I mean, my transition started when I was born. I mean, I was born the son of a chiropractor. Okay. So right. I never had a conventional upbringing. I never, I think the first time I took antibiotics was when I was 14 when I first strep throat or something like that. Everything was Impressive. done naturally. I didn't know how to swallow a pill at that point. So it was, uh, it was an interesting endeavor uh, to, to be honest. I was at sleepaway camp and it was a whole thing, but anyway, long story <laughs> short, um, I decided actually to go to medical school uh, law. I mean, right. I guess I was in college at the time and I decided because, you know, I'd grown up the son of a chiropractor. I worked at his front desk. I saw what a primary care doctor could do with, with non-conventional means. Mm. And, but I also saw limitations there. And I was like, well, you know, if I got my medical degree, then I could really do quote unquote, anything I want. Right. In the sense that I could do alternative things, I could do conventional things and then, and I could find out and figure out a practice that could kind of do all that. And I didn't know what that was going to look like. I thought initially it might look like, like my father's practice, like a primary care practice, but being like a there wasn't a word for, there was no functional medicine at that time. It didn't really right. exist. Yeah. It's and relatively so it recent, like, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it started coming into like sort of the cultural phenomenon that it is or not whatever it is, the phenomenon that it is, it's not a cultural phenomenon. It's not like <laughs> Kim Kardashian or something. Um, but <laughs> but it, I don't think that word came about until like around 2010, maybe that yeah. people started knowing what that yeah, meant. I'd say but like roughly in the last 10 years. Yeah. Like I went to medical school in 2003 and so before that, my, my father was an alternative practitioner. There was wellness, there was maybe some integrative, but like it was mostly wellness and alternative. And there wasn't really words for, uh, for what he was doing other than those. And so um, I, 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 did, I thought that maybe that was going to go that way. Then I decided in actually when I went, to, went into medical school that I wanted to do more focus. And so of course you get sort of like tantalized by all these specialized where you make, you know, lots and lots of money, be a dermatologist, be an orthopedic surgeon, be a radiologist, but none of that really, really resonated with me. I really wanted to do something that bridged this gap between alternative and conventional medicine. And, and funny enough, I found it in a trauma center in Baltimore, where I trained, uh, where they were doing you know, crazy shit, because this is one of the biggest trauma centers in the world here in Maryland, in Baltimore. If anybody's watched The Wire on HBO, uh, they know what I'm talking about, but that's all wow. very, very, very real stuff. And the military would train there because that's where all the gunshot wounds were. And then, but down in the basement, they had an extremely large hyperbaric chamber and the chamber was used mostly for uh, severe infections. It was used for carbon monoxide poisoning and very severe trauma uh, because it would save people's lives in all those categories. And I got to see that in medical school and see what this chamber was doing. And when I realized it was just a combination of increased inspired oxygen and increased atmospheric pressure, and I saw people that were on ventilators walk out 
of the chamber after their hyperbaric treatment because they had carbon monoxide poisoning or something. Right. Um, or I saw them have flesh-eating bacteria necrotizing fasciitis and go from needing four amputations of all limbs to needing a couple amputations of a couple fingers or a couple toes. Wow. Um, and so some really big, huge shifts. And, and um, it was just really interesting to me that it was just these two things. It was just oxygen and pressure. And so I was extremely tired that rotation. We were on call every three nights for 30 hours. So it was, and that was for three weeks, I think. And so I was really tired. So I didn't do a lot of research then, but when I finished, I real I did a bunch of research on hyperbaric therapy. This is back in like 2006. And I realized how much was being done, especially outside the US and, and all this work in, in Russia and China and Japan, especially all these indications. And that's when I got really interested and actually doing this in more of a, a dedicated way. And so, you know, fast forward a number of years later, I moved to California and I became a medical director of a hyperbaric facility in San Francisco. This is actually in 2013. Uh, so, but in between, of course, getting married, having kids, finishing residency, I, I did my internal medicine residency as well. And, um, and then I was also working part-time in the hospital. And then I became a medical director of the facility in San Francisco. And that's really when my education really started, when I actually started seeing patients and, and learning about all the sort of nuances of hyperbaric medicine. And then from there, creating a practice that integrated not just hyperbaric medicine, but other tools, technologies, dietary lifestyle, what I call integrative hyperbaric therapy from there. And then creating an online platform where I do consulting with people all across the world on hyperbaric therapy and integrative protocols. And that dovetails into my own now concierge medical practice that is the foundation of my hyperbaric practice, which is called health optimization medicine. And that, as you know, Matt, is founded by, the, the, the framework is founded by a colleague and mentor of mine named Dr. Ted Achacoso. And that's the foundation of my hyperbaric practice along with the hyperbaric work that I do. Love In it. short, long, I don't know. You tell me. Um, thorough <laughs> and very informative. <laughs> sure. Thorough and very informative. So I love that. I mean, I actually, you know, I think your, your superpower, which you already know, is this kind of way that you have of taking a global perspective of things. Um, you get people who kind of find something that they're really fascinated with and they tend to kind of hone in so narrowly that sometimes right. they become a little bit blind to the bigger picture. And what I find very fascinating about you is you always keep this kind of very broad perspective with this, I don't know, I don't know even really how to describe it, but with hyperbaric therapy as really being a, a tool my, that you yeah, can you yeah. can leverage. Yeah, I, I like to call it my smoke screen to some degree because- <laughs> because I think the chambers are great and yeah. I think they're, they're fantastic for recovery, for optimization, for performance. They do a lot of things, right? But I talk with most of my clients, 80% about everything else. And yeah. 20% wow, about, if you're not doing anything like, else, it's right, only going to do so much, but well, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Okay. So we, we get that. I mean, obviously the foundations are critical, especially when you're talking about optimization, but when you're talking about you know, some of the conditions that I keep seeing over and over mm -hmm. again, mm -hmm. I mean, as you know, I, I run a pretty large Facebook community. Right. So I get to, to see what's, what's kind of percolating in the world right now. And some of the things that are the most, well, there's a couple of things that are very devastating and that are pervasive, if you will, in our mm -hmm. world. And one mm -hmm. of them is current, and that would be 
you know, I mean, basically the COVID, Pandemics. the yes. pandemic, yes. yes. Um, which, you know, we may or may not address today. But the second one is, is this whole issue of Lyme and Epstein-Barr virus, chronic all of these very, sure. these kind of low underlying chronic conditions that for many different reasons, some people just can't seem to kick. And I know sure. that there's, sure. Some people are genetically more predisposed to suffer from Lyme chronically, but can is there an app? I'm guessing that there must be an application for hyperbaric therapy in these instances. And also, you know, very early on, actually, in the group, I sent a woman to you who lives in, I want to say she's in Ireland or Scotland, and she mm -hmm. had called me. She had all these, and I think she was a Lyme patient. Mm -hmm. And there was nothing that anybody could do for her. And this woman could barely get out of bed in the morning. And she had come to the conclusion through her own research that hyperbaric therapy would be a, a very valuable tool for her. And for, and I think her husband was in, is in, was in the gas business or something. Oh, she decided like to make their own chamber or buy it. Well, no, they bought one they and they one. had the confidence to buy <laughs> You know, not everybody is like going to be confident enough house. to have right. yeah, like right. a hard things. chamber. And I want to talk a little bit about the hard sure. chambers versus the soft ones and all that stuff. Sure. Yeah. So anyway, so maybe, you know, there's the longevity and the optimization piece. But before we get there, for the people living under the line, within the context of what you're comfortable talking sure. about today, can yeah. we talk about it from in terms of health, certain health challenges that people just can't seem to like it becomes yeah. that edge? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of different ways to approach this. I think that what I typically like to frame for people is there's like the acute indication bucket of hyperbaric therapy. There's the acute trauma, the acute infection, the acute surgery, uh, the, the acute needs and, and how hyperbaric therapy works in that way. And then there's the way that hyperbaric therapy works in the more of like the chronic conditions, long-term goals. The initial way hyperbaric therapy works is by just a massive infusion of oxygen in the system. And I'll talk about that, how, how that works in a minute. Yeah. And then the, the other way that hyperbaric therapy works is that the initial infusion plus a significant epigenetic shift that's happening on the DNA level with expressions of, of genes and suppression and, and expression changing as a result of the oxygen load that's coming into the body. And as a result of that, changing how your DNA expresses those genes. So the way hyperbaric therapy gets oxygen in the body though, is the combination of increased inspired oxygen and increased atmospheric pressure. So basically in a hyperbaric environment, we simulate the pressure you would feel under a certain amount of seawater. Mm -hmm. And because seawater is heavy, that heaviness changes your physiology. And so the way to think about this is that if you're about I'm going to use us metrics here or whatever, but if you're 33 feet below the sea, that's the equivalent of what's called two atmospheres of pressure. And that's what we use in hyperbaric therapy. Hyperbaric therapy comes from the diving world. It comes from right. treating the bends or decompression illness. Yeah. And, um, and there's a couple of physics laws that go involved that are involved here, which I'll go over very quickly that are very easy. Um, so what, the, what happens is, um, you're increasing the amount of atmospheric pressure in the chamber. Okay. So we're going to leave that for a minute. We're going to go to oxygen. Okay. We're going to come back to pressure in a second. So increasing inspired oxygen. So the amount of oxygen that you're breathing right now um, at sea level at UNAT is 21%. Um, and that's the amount of oxygen that's in the air that you're breathing now. For me in, Cal in Colorado, I'm at I think I'm at 5,000 feet elevation. I'm mm -hmm. breathing about 17% oxygen here. Okay. And so what our body does is 
bring oxygen in by carrying it on red blood cells. Right. Red blood cells um, have hemoglobin molecules. There's 250,000 or 250 million, excuse me, hemoglobin <laughs> molecules per red blood cell. Okay. And each wow. hemoglobin molecule has four sites where they can carry oxygen. So each hemoglobin, sorry, each red blood cell can carry 1 billion oxygen molecules from the air that you're breathing and bring it to the rest of your body to be the final electron acceptor in your mitochondria to make ATP, your energy currency. Okay. And so typically our bodies do a very good job of this. Even at altitude, your body can compensate and actually increase the number of red blood cells in circulation. So you have enough red blood cells to carry the amount of oxygen that you need. So that's typically how oxygen is carried. However, there's a couple of different ways you can increase oxygen capacity. One of the ways I already alluded to is by increasing red blood cell number. And yeah. you can do that by going into altitude. You mm-hmm. can do that by taking drugs like epigen, like cyclists would do and Lance Armstrong and others to increase the number of red blood cells in circulation. Or you can actually diffuse oxygen into the plasma or the liquid of your blood. The liquid of your blood does not have a lot of oxygen in it at baseline, but that's what carries all the other sort of cellular products that are in that, that are required. It's like a saline kind of mixture of like salt solution. And there's very little oxygen in it at sea level or at baseline. However, if you increase atmospheric pressure, there's a law called Henry's law. This is a physics law that basically says the more pressure you put on a gas, the more that gas is gonna go from a gaseous form to a liquid form. And, And so what we're doing in a hyperbaric environment by increasing atmospheric pressure is driving more oxygen into the liquid of your blood. And it's the liquid plasma that we can actually get up to 1200% or 12 times more oxygen in circulation than you can because you're only limited at sea level to the number of red blood cells that you have. So we're infusing a huge amount more oxygen as a result of that. Okay, so a couple of questions. So then the oxygen obviously then that is taken up in the blood that is not in the blood cells, in the plasma, um, that is bioavailable, obviously yes. to the cells. So then Extremely you're really just, you're, it's a workaround. Let's say you had someone who was anemic and you don't yes. have time to rebuild their blood because that will take some time. This gives you an opportunity to kind of give them this infusion of oxygen. Right. So it's used in trauma settings for that reason. So if right. you have somebody with severe, excuse me, severe blood loss, like hemorrhagic, you know, blood loss, like they're, they're, they're hemorrhaging, you can temporize them in a chamber. There's actually some studies that have been done on animals that at, at three atmospheres of pressure, which is the equivalent of 66 feet of seawater with 100% oxygen, you no longer need red blood cells to actually maintain your physiologic function because you can saturate your plasma with so much oxygen that it's not required. But you're exactly right, that the bioavailability of the oxygen in the plasma is extremely, it's much higher. This is not bound to hemoglobin. Right. So it doesn't have to be right. Yeah. So hemoglobin has to change conformation in your periphery so that it can release the oxygen and get it to your tissues. And your tissues are very uh, dynamic, as we all know, right? And they're always looking for oxygen or, or not needing it. And then there's always a triage system that's happening. So if you have an injury, it's going to go to where the injury is. If you have an oxygen debt in tissue, that's where the oxygen is going to go more preferentially. And so you can actually leverage that in a lot of different ways and a lot of protocols that I use when I integrate like before, during, and after hyperbaric therapy, how to leverage the oxygen debt, whether it be in your brain or if it's in a muscle group or you just had surgery somewhere, you know, you can use things like lights. You can use um, actually manual things like, like a lacrosse ball even to create oxygen debt and tissues and things like that hmm. to create a, a way to get more oxygen to a particular area. But what's happening 
big picture is a huge amount of auctions coming in, depending on how much pressure, right? So if you have like a milder environment, it's going to be less oxygen coming in. Or if like, if you're going to like 10 feet of seawater, which is in a mild hyperbaric environment, or you're going to go to 66 feet of seawater, obviously the amount of oxygen going in is going to be significantly different. But what happens with all that oxygen in circulation is that it's creating a huge oxygen load that's going to diffuse further into tissues. It's going to create more energy at the cellular level, and it's going to create more waste products of energy metabolism, which are called reactive oxygen species. So and that's going to act. So I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no, the, that's good. Yeah. I've been writing things down and I'm like, so what are reactive oxygen species? Because right. if we're going to increase the metabolic rate of the cell and it's making more ATP and it's working harder and faster, the mitochondria, yes. we would typically be talking about how do we mitigate the increase in ROS? So there's been some studies that have looked at this in the hyperbaric environment. Right. And it takes about three days to balance out the oxidative load versus your antioxidant capacity increasing to balance it out. So you have like your NRF2, you have your glutathione, you know, you have all those things that bring that come up as a result of the oxidative load. But it's just like another hormetic stress. Okay. We all so it know. doesn't cross that line really. But it can. Sure. Absolutely for people that do not have antioxidant capacity, if they are not, if they're, if they're toxic, if they're heavy metal toxic, if they're, if they're, if their gut is not, um, uh, if they're, if they're not gut optimized or whatever, if they don't, it, it, big picture is that they don't have good, um, ability to detoxify as mm -hmm. a result of this oxidative load, it can get people in trouble, especially people with chronic issues. And so that's why I'm very, I almost, I gave, I almost gave a talk with the title as follows to my hyperbaric colleagues, please do not put them in the chamber. <laughs> so, and um, I decided on a different title, but, yeah. um, but the problem is if you put somebody in a chamber before they're ready, before mm -hmm. they have that support, you can see a, you can see a lot of, a lot of damage. A lot of da I mean, people don't usually get like long-term damage, but, but they certainly don't get better. And, or if they do get better, it's only for a short period of time. And so um, that's when you have to think about what are you doing in the chamber here? Are right. we, or do we care about just an, an acute infusion of oxygen? Do they have acute trauma? Like, did they just have a heart attack, a stroke, a traumatic brain injury, like a spinal cord injury? Um, did they just have like a, a limb trauma? Do they have permanent oxide poisoning? You just want to get as, as much oxygen in the body as you can with that stuff because then you're going to diffuse more into the tissue and you're going to save stuff yeah. from dying. Right. Yeah. So yeah. like, so that's, the first bucket. And that's the bucket I don't typically get with most people. Right. Because that's, well, that's an emergency. That's an emergency. Those are emergent, but, but yeah, yeah, but, but that's also, but even if it's like a mild concussion or mm -hmm. like, or it's a mild trauma either um, done, you know, accidentally, or if it's done um, what we call iatrogenically, we've given them a surgery. Like we've done something yeah. to somebody. Right. So like I have people coming in with, you know, with hips, knees, shoulders, you know, back injuries and all and like orthopedic things, ACLs, and then combining it with other, you know, like regenerative technologies, like, you know, stem cells and PRP and, and exosomes and all that kind of stuff. That's all I would, I would fall into the sort of the more acute bucket mm -hmm. of stuff where all we really want is to get more oxygen in the tissue. Right. And so what happens when you get all that oxygen in tissues, not only are you um, you're obviously helping with cellular metabolic processes and, and making sure that the cells don't die. You're actually acute, you're acutely decreasing inflammation. You're decreasing swelling. You're getting stem cells released. It's anti-infective. Um, and it, because 
a lot of bugs do not like high oxygen environments, right. including viruses, including fungus, including bacteria. And then you're also helping with flow because we do think that hyperbaric therapy is helping with the formation of what we, of what Gerald Pollack would call easy water, right? right. With structured water around blood vessels to help with flow in and then detox out. So all that's happening like almost immediately. Mm-hmm. And then what's happening over the long term is that epigenetic shift where you're getting um, the benefits of a long-term oxygen infusion protocol, which builds on what's happened with the oxygen infusion. But at the same time, it's now you're getting new blood vessels formed and you're getting stem cells that are maturing into new cells in all these different types of tissues, new bone, new neurons, new heart cells, new cartilage, all of that stuff. Um, you're also seeing inflammatory markers get downregulated, like the ones that are the, the ones that are the, that are, that are good for the acute side, but if you have cytokines that are, you know, elevated over long periods of time, if you yeah, have I mean, you get that, markers, yeah, you, you get, get that cycles. spin up and people yeah. can't get, can't kick out. So yeah. I have a quick question before you keep going. And no, that I'm is good. in the case of people who aren't making enough of their own glutathione, like they can't mitigate themselves. Is it helpful to, to give them an infusion of glutathione or, mm-hmm. you know, or high dose liposomal vitamin C, or even an IV vitamin C infusion that would, the trick with vitamin C, I mean, the, the thing is that the antioxidant is a cascade. It's not a one and done right. train. So is it right. enough to give them some of those factors exogenously to help mitigate or, and I guess you would do that on the back end, not on the front end, because it then depends. you'd be off. Yeah. Or would yeah. you? Yeah. It depends. It depends on how sick they are, to be honest. Okay. I mean, for me, the way I always approach this now is that if you have a chronic, almost everybody, if, if it's a chronic issue, I don't care if it's longevity related like, and you want to live longer, that's a chronic long-term goal, right? Or if you have a chronic infection, you're chronically sick. It's really important if you can to try to dial in your health and doing that in a uh, a data-driven way. So you're looking at your vitamins, your minerals, your nutrients, your gut health, you're looking at hormones, you're looking at, you know, how can you optimize that cellular foundation? And that's what I use health optimization medicine for, which is the foundation of my hyperbaric practice. And I use that as my foundation if I can with my clients. If if I can't, I mean, I'll send them to functional medicine doctors. I'm happy to do that. I work with them all over the world. But mm-hmm. um, I don't. For me, it's it's really a matter of um, understanding where they are from a cellular yeah. perspective, and then supporting them as best I can through the process. And so I've had patients that I've used um, IV glutathione, phosphatidylcholine, and and, if, and on other IVs, you know, minerals and things like that, Myers cocktails. I mean, it really depends. I mean, I was speaking to somebody just a couple of days ago and he, he told me that every time that he tries to treat his mold, for example, um, he gets so sick, he can't do it. Right. And then that's like, there's a lot of like, um, that, that there's a lot of warning signs for me when that happens, mm-hmm. right. Cause he's not obviously well supported enough to be able to tolerate treatment for these things. And so if he wants to get into a hyperbaric environment, it's not going to go well at those deeper pressures um, because that deeper pressure is going to cause the oxidative load and it's going to make him feel worse, especially if he can't detoxify well from it, yeah. he can't tolerate, you know, the actual treatment for the mold. Now in some of these patients, this can kind of dovetail into the conversation about the types of chambers that are available mm-hmm. and the types of pressures that we use. Yeah. Um, the more milder pressures, what we call about 1.3 to about 1.75 or maybe two atmospheres is a, what we call a milder hyperbaric pressure. 
You can get soft shell chambers for the house um, home use that go to about 1.3 to 1.4 typically. Now these pressures are more specific for the brain and the central nervous system. Okay. And the brain is more sensitive as we know to oxygen tension. It's more sensitive to oxidative stress. Um, that's why we have to worry actually at deeper pressures like three atmospheres, you have to worry about um, oxygen induced seizures in the chamber as well. And so there's ways to mitigate that actually. Mm -hmm. Ketones are actually very good at mitigating um, ketone esters, especially. Sure. But that um, alternative fuel source, right? And yeah, and but they're also inflammation. And they're yes. And yeah. Yes. They also re reduce oxidative stress, right? So yeah. at the same time as as getting the alternative fuel source. Um, but um, so where was I going with this? Oh yeah, the different types of the different uh, types of chambers yeah. and different yeah. pressures. Yeah. So the um, so in so what in the milder environments, we're typically looking at neurocognitive optimization. Um, okay. It can also, they also can help with muscle recovery and jet lag and, and some performance related metrics, but there really are no um, medical indications uh, to use hyperbaric therapy uh, in the mild environment, um, except for brain and spinal cord related things. And so like traumatic so brain injury, yeah. So for the milder ones, for the soft shell, do you have to be as concerned about the glutathione vitamin C status? No. Or is that no. kind of like an at-home use? You're pretty much, if you're willing to have something like this in your home, you're pretty much, I mean, still, it would, you'd still do better right. to still address better. these right. things, but it's not like a crisis. No, no. I mean, I, I often say that the milder units are more about oxygen delivery right? Uh, and they're less about oxygen related therapy. Stress. Like it's less of a like therapeutic thing. It's less okay. of a hormetic stress. Um, okay. Now, if you do it a lot over a long period of time, then maybe, uh, and I certainly think that people would benefit obviously from a, optimizing their brain function by optim optimizing their brain health performance optimization, right. And making sure they have all the, the things that they need for the rest of the body as well. And, uh, and have a good, you know, their guts working and all that kind of stuff. But, mm -hmm. um, but in general, it's not as much of an oxidative load. Um, but as the medical indications for hyperbaric therapy and more of the um, systemic related indications, let's call them at two atmospheres ish, and sometimes a little bit more 2.4, those do really require an understanding of someone's foundational health to, I think, really help them over the long term. And so, um, I mean, and those are going to be the hard chambers that can yes, deliver that. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. And so in a perfect world for me is that you have access to both. You have access to like, I have a home chamber that I use regularly for neurocognitive optimization for overall recovery. It helps, helps me to sleep. My sleep scores go up. And for a lot of the athletes that I work with, their sleep scores improve um, because it helps with, it helps with flow, right? It's going to help with flow into it's, it's blood flow into tissue and then it's lymphatic mm -hmm. flow out. And so like in a combination where you're using hyperbaric therapy as a recovery tool, it's fantastic. Uh, in a lot of different ways. Um, but especially for that reason, helping decrease inflammation, helping your brain function a little bit better. You know, you can pair it with some lights and some sauna and you know, some cold therapy. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. You need a biohacking so, house. Never mind a biohacking. I know. Room. I, know. <laughs> I have a basement right now. I have my, I have my hyperbaric chamber. I have my, my weights and I have my sauna, right? So that's, that's what I have. But then of course, where's the cold tub going to go? And, you know, the Vasper, um, <laughs> where's the Vasper yeah. going to go? <laughs> That's fancy. Fan you're too fancy for me. The Vasper's too fancy. Um, Vasper's not that fancy and it's like super cheap compared to a chamber. I'm just here to tell you. So. No, I think the Vasper's more expensive. Last I checked. Oh, um, not the Vasper. I actually meant a Katsu. 
But yeah, Vasper oh, is super fancy. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, Vasper would yeah. be more expensive. You know, so your blood flow restriction stuff is yeah. really interesting too. Um, I mean, as you can tell, I, 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 and you know this about me now, I and mean, your listeners will, I think, probably already realize it's like hyperbaric therapy is a fantastic technology. And I really do think that people should, it's not like, you know, if it's really about a when thing, when hyperbaric therapy can help you. And I, and that's what I often say that everybody can benefit in some way. It yeah. just depends on what's the best way for you. Because as you were alluding to, it's not uh, an inexpensive endeavor to get into a hyperbaric environment. Um, the chambers for home use can average anywhere from about 11 or 12K to about 23K in mm-hmm. price. And you can, what I've been trying to do uh, over the last several years is try to find ways that it's more accessible. So I'm, I've been looking at, uh, we've been working on with a couple of companies with rental options and ways to kind of like rent to own if you want to do it that way with more medical supervision. And so certainly those are options now for people. And that's a way you can get like three months of hyperbaric therapy and then get a really great experience. And then you give it back. And then if you want to rent it again, you can rent it again, or, or if you decide you want to buy it and, and things like that, but it's not a small amount of money. And then if you go to a medical grade facility, uh, the medical grade hyperbaric chambers on average are going to cost around, depending on where you're in the country, between 200 and $250 per session. Yeah. So, and average, and, and this is another important sort of lead in is like how many sessions are typically required. If you have it an, an on the acute, list of questions. <laughs> yeah. So if you have an acute indication, some of that acute trauma, like acute issue, typically it's not that many. So like the most common acute trauma we get is plastic surgery. So um, you've gotten plastic surgery and you want to heal faster, two to five hyperbaric sessions, you're going to see anywhere between a 30 and a 50% improvement in your healing time. If you do, uh, and, and so we have people that have raccoon eyes after their plastic surgery, or they have their tummy tucks, or they have, or like a real hyperbaric, a real, a real, let's call it real plastic surgery, where you've had like a breast cancer and you get like an implantation and you get a flap or like something like that. And as a result of that, you need more hyperbaric therapy, but you can get a significantly faster healing time as a result of that. So those are our acute indications somewhere between two and hyperbaric two and 10 hyperbaric sessions, let's say. And now, that's, if the, you, and that's the higher, that's at the two to 2.4. Well, it could be either depending on the indication. Okay. For example, if it's a, a, an acute traumatic brain injury, but like a mild one, like uh, so let's say it's a, an acute concussion. Yeah. You may only need that many hyperbaric sessions in a, in a mild chamber, maybe up, maybe a little bit more than that maybe five to 10 or maybe 15 in a mild unit if you don't have access to a heart chamber or that's what you decide to use. But in general, it doesn't matter so much in the sense that if it's an acute indication, it's going to be somewhere usually less than 10 hyperbaric sessions to really get a significant, uh, what you're really doing is just making your internal physiology work better. So you're revving things up to work better. Whereas when you're looking at a chronic or a long-term goal for hyperbaric therapy, you are really building things back from the ground up. Mm-hmm. And to do that takes more hyperbaric sessions and chronic or long-term goals, indications for hyperbaric therapy. We're talking typically at minimum about 20 sessions, and that's typically done Monday through Friday. So five days on and two days off. Some of those protocols can be 40 sessions. The hyperbaric protocols in Israel are typically 60 sessions in wow. a row. So, so that rent to own is starting to sound pretty good right about now. So exactly. So for three months, these hyperbaric protocols, Monday through Friday, weekends off, 
you're getting hyperbaric therapy. And the reason for that is that it's the oxygen exposure to, on the DNA, that oxidative load that's continuing to spur to shift that DNA expression. And so that's why we haven't seen the, as good of results if people, things do, if people do things more intermittently and mm -hmm. they don't do it on successive days. So there are some protocols where we don't do things every day. If you're doing it for muscle recovery, if you're doing it for jet lag, if you're doing it for cancer, actually, some cancer protocols when we're using it synergistically with like the ketogenic diet or other modalities, then we'll do hyperbaric therapy more intermittently. And actually the reason for that, and you'll find this interesting, Matt, is that we don't want the antioxidant response for yeah. cancer. We want the oxidative load mm -hmm. and we want to protect from the oxidative load. So using the ketogenic diet or exogenous ketones, but we want more of the oxidative stress of hyperbaric therapy as what Tom Seafried and Dom Diagostino will call as the press pulse technique, which is you're pressing with the keto and then you're pulsing with hyperbaric therapy. Uh, sometimes we use IV vitamin C as well for those, for more of the oxidative load. So higher, higher gram doses of vitamin C. So after about, I think it's about 25 grams of vitamin C IV, it becomes more of an oxidative load as mm -hmm. opposed to being an antioxidant. But in people with chronic infections, to take it back there, I will use lower dose IV vitamin C and things like Myers cocktails and others to help support them as well. Hey, folks, we interrupt this podcast to bring you our and to thank our newest sponsor, which is Bioptimizers. And we're in real luck because this month, Bioptimizers is launching their Black Friday deal right now right now during the first week of the month of November. And not only are they going to be giving you a huge discount all month long, they are also going to be giving away over $200 worth in free gifts. This is their biggest sale of the entire year. So this is the perfect time to stock up on some of their best-selling magnesium breakthrough. This is the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress relief, better sleep, all in one bottle. The truth is that most magnesium supplements fail simply because they're synthetic and they're not full spectrum. And you see, when you get all seven critical forms of magnesium, pretty much every function in your body gets an upgrade from your brain to your sleep, pain, inflammation, even less stress. So it's not just about the huge discount during the entire month of November. As I mentioned earlier, Bioptimizers is also offering all sorts of awesome free gifts and products worth over $200 with select purchases, as long as you use my unique code, which I'm going to get to. This is literally the best time to get the lowest prices, to stock up, and to take advantage of all the free extras you're going to get. You can only get this exclusive deal through my link, special for you listeners. You will not find this on Amazon or even the Bioptimizers website. All you have to do is go to www.magnesiumbreakthrough.com forward slash Bionat and use code Bionat to get your discount and free gifts today. One last thing before I go, you should know that all Bioptimizer supplements are really the best in class, but if for some reason you feel differently, you can get a full refund up to a full year after your purchase, no questions asked. So once again, the link to go to right now for this exclusive deal is www.magnesiumbreakthrough.com forward slash Bionat, and make sure that you also use promo code Bionat, B-I-O-N-A-T. So do it while supplies last and don't miss the November 30th deadline. Ready, set, go. But first, 
Let's get back to our episode. Well, you know, it's interesting because you keep answering the questions in my head, which I'm not sure how you're getting into my head, but so <laughs> I, I know where things lead when it comes to this. All right, topic I have a question I, that you haven't, yeah. I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, have you looked at molecular hydrogen and how that might amplify impact get in the way of sure. oxygen therapy because high, molecular hydrogen is said to be a selective antioxidant. So, you know, one of its superpowers is it's not, it's not like taking a bunch of vitamin C after your workout and mitigating some of that oxidative stress, which frankly, from a hormetic perspective, you kind of want, right? Yes, you want, you want it. Yeah. You want like it's, but you don't want too much sometimes, but you don't want too much. So but with yes. molecular hydrogen, you know, what, what, what it seems to be one of the great things about molecular hydrogen, which is why, I mean, I personally use it every day instead of pounding vitamin C blindly or whatever the case may be. I will use vitamin C periodically, but not chronically, if you will, is this whole idea that maybe it's more selective about the antioxidant. And it's also got lots of other properties beyond that. Sure. I'm certainly interested in molecular hydrogen. Yeah. I'm, I'm not convinced about it entirely yet. However, I have been using it sporadically, especially in some of my, okay, we're going to go there, the COVID patients, yeah. because especially people that have lung predominant or pulmonary predominant long haul COVID related symptoms, there is a worry that I have that, so hyperbaric therapy, obviously you're breathing it in through your lungs, right? You're breathing in the oxygen, your your lungs are under pressure. And I have had some benefit in people that are using hyperbaric therapy in combination with uh, molecular hydrogen for pulmonary related COVID and and doing well. And so I have been looking at uh, inhaled hydrogen for this particular, I should say. So they're using inhaled molecular hydrogen to help with the lung inflammation and anti and, and oxidative oxidative stress and antioxidant capacity in the lungs. So I've certainly been seeing that and I've been seeing some significant benefits. So I can say uh, that I have some interest, especially in people that have higher oxidative loads in general as a, as a, as a potential way of using uh, as another way of mm-hmm. mitigating that oxidative load, but I haven't used it too much in practice yet, especially yeah. things, um, except, especially uh, oral or when you're drinking molecular hydrogen, I haven't, haven't had the opportunity yet. So, uh, so I'm, I'm, but I'm certainly interested in it. I haven't yeah. been, I just don't understand the mechanism yet. And, yeah. and that's, I don't that's think, the hard I think, part for me. I think that's part of the big challenge with it is a Not lot that of I have to always understand what's happening, but no, but it's working, but, but yeah. truthfully, I think even in a lot of the clinical research that you'll read, they don't fully get, and even Tyler LeBaron will sometimes say like, there's a disproportionate, there seems to be in some cases a disproportionate effect versus the load that you're providing of molecular hydrogen, which I think, I think what molecular hydrogen may be doing in some cases is just acting as a signaling molecule and triggering yeah. stuff It must be yeah. that we can't because, track. Yeah. Right. But I know that, and I've talked about this before, like I had a patient, not a patient, a client, I don't get patients, I get clients, um, <laughs> who was a patient of a doctor I was working with who had Parkinson's disease. And in her case, the molecular hydrogen was dramatically beneficial for her cognitive performance Mm -hmm. when she took it. Mm. So it didn't necessarily last, 
but sure. she would talk about waking up in the morning and craving it because mm. it gave her more mental energy. So, it, you know, so for me, that was an interesting observation. It's not evidence of anything more than that. Right. But I, you know, as you're talking, it seems to me that it would be a very, I mean, it would, it will be a very interesting compound right. to think about be. and explore in collaboration yeah. with, as you're understanding your pathways right. on the oxygen side to see how the yeah. hydrogen may or may not play in. Yeah. I've started with the inhaled hydrogen for now. Uh, yeah. and, I, and I do see some benefit there for some yeah. people that have pulmonary predominant symptoms, long haul COVID people yeah. specifically, which is interesting. And I mean, we have been working with a lot of those patients actually, and neurologically they do fantastically well in a hyperbaric environment. If anyway, they, exactly. If they, if they yeah. have neuro predominant symptoms yeah. and there are some, so some smatterings of, of data coming out. There are some anecdotal stories that are coming out of people that are using hyperbaric therapy for long haul COVID and having some significant benefit. And, but I think the key for these patients and for basically all comers is that my framework is very different than most hyperbaric doctors. It's if you go to a hyperbaric clinic, just like if you go to a cardiologist or you go to like a pulmonologist or you go to Nah, no offense. You're like, what are the peptides I'm going to use, right? Well, what are the, what am I going to do an echocardiogram or am I going to do uh, a, a chest x-ray because I'm a pulmonologist or whatever. People get very stuck. So if you go into a hyperbaric yeah. clinic, they're going to say you need hyperbaric therapy, right? Yeah. And, and, and that's a challenge. I know you don't work that way. I know you're much more global than that. Well, it's, and, but it's that, but, it's that laser vision people develop, right? When they right, get into exactly. a modality that right. sometimes is not, I mean, sometimes it's great because it makes them an expert. But other times it gets in the way of right. being able to see the right. bigger picture and step back yeah. a bit. Yeah. So mine's very simple. It's what are you doing before? What are you doing during? And what are you doing after hyperbaric therapy to optimize your protocol and actually make the benefits happen that you want? Mm -hmm. The before is the biggest part of it. The before is sometimes even before you start hyperbaric therapy, and that's optimizing your health, doing the foundational work that we were talking about. What I use is health optimization medicine. There's functional medicine. There's other ways to do it, but I like the way I do it. I feel like it's very foundational. It's very cellular focused. And, but not only that, but also you're talking about hydrogen. I also think about like, what are you doing right before you get into the chamber to help you? Are you using IVs? Are you, you're doing minerals hydration? These minerals are really important because they're extremely important for the whole energy production process. For example, are you using other technologies that could help you optimize energy delivery or oxygen delivery to make energy, to be clear. Mm -hmm. So like, are you dilating blood vessels, for example? So like using like low nitric oxide, therapy. yeah. Or using nitric oxide boosters or using something like niacin, for example, or, or not yet, but you're, you're on the right track. That's, those are the things that I think about is what are the things that can dilate blood vessels potentially to help us get more oxygen to where we want to go? What are the things that are going to help more oxygen get to the tissue? What are the things that are going to help us make that oxygen work better? Mm -hmm. And I also think about sort of on the other end of it, is what on the after part is how am I going to make the body recover faster from that oxidative load mm -hmm. uh, that, that we just gave them? Is it, you know, IVs, is it sauna, is it pulse electromagnetic field technologies, right? Is it hydrogen? Is it hydrogen inhalation? There's yeah. lots of different things to think about. And then the during part just depends on the kind of chamber you have, like what you're able to do. But if it's a mild home unit, you can bring things in there that have some yeah, you can do some electronics and then you can't bring in like a car battery, but you can bring in like <laughs> your phone. <laughs> You're in Canada. I don't know what you guys do up there. Explosive. Uh... Yeah. Canadians do weird things, Nat. You know, I just want to make sure. Right. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Fine. Car Fine. batteries in the back blue. Don't uh... get me started. <laughs> but 
<laughs> with that ice, with that blue. I don't remember what I used to drink when I used to go to Montreal, but well, who drinks beer ago. anyway? But yeah, long, long um, time ago. Yeah, 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 long, long time ago. So I had a question for you. I still have so many questions, and they're crowding each other in my brain. So when so on the molecular hydrogen front, actually the inhaled gas, are you for sure getting hydrogen gas or do you know if you're getting Brown's gas? Do you know that? Are you aware of that distinction? I'm not aware you know, of the distinction. No. Okay. So it's, it's an interest. I'm only bringing it up because there is a difference. And in yeah, a please. lot of the studies on hydrogen, and there are studies I know in China using hydrogen for COVID and long COVID, as you've talked about, um, if you read the study and the, and the methodology, if they don't have a membrane between the anode and the cathode that are generating the hydrogen, mm-hmm. if there's no membrane there, what they're actually generating is something called Brown's gas. And so I only bring it up because a lot of people are not necessarily aware of the distinction and they mm-hmm. often get lumped in the same category together. All so, these machines are coming from China too. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see what the the finer details are because there's there's definitely evidence on that front. And I'm actually releasing a podcast next week, which will be in the past by the time people are listening to this on a Brown's gas machine. So that's That's the only reason I was. I I look forward to learning more about it. I I mean, I don't know enough about hydrogen yet. So thanks for. I don't think anybody does, to be honest. It's okay. (laughs) I think think we're all in good company together. Um, We all like to explore and experiment and and we all like to do these things on ourselves. And I try as much as I can to do these things before I recommend them to others, but I haven't myself tried the hydrogen gas yet. So just with with, with a couple of patients. All right. So I'm a little bit torn because we don't have a lot of time left. We haven't really talked about the health optimization medicine model that you use. And at the same time, I would love to give people some insight into, like we've talked a lot about disease states or health challenges, but from a longevity and optimization perspective, what would be a really nice, like for someone like me, for example, what would be a good way for me to tap Mm -hmm. into hyperbaric chamber therapy? Like, should I do a week once every few months or like, how would I, I'm assuming that I would kind of cycle it or am I better off doing one treatment a week for eight weeks? Like how would. Sure. Yeah. Let's stick there. We can always do the home stuff with transcriptions. I think, because I think that'll, that'll, we're going to do another episode anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's, (laughs) that's fine. I mean, I, because I think it's an important question that you've asked. I mean, I think a lot of it depends on what people's goals are. Of course, mm-hmm. uh, people say that they're, they're in it for that they're they're healthy. Um, do you have uh, something very specific that you're training for? Is it something very specific that you're looking to do, um, or is it more really long and stay smart? And yeah, right. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So for most people, and I'm, I actually have a company called HBot Plus that's we've created uh, a hyperbaric applications. It's going to be a phone application that's going to be built in with a bunch of wellness protocols uh, for people like that are on the longevity side of things. So like athletic performance and cognitive health and, and um, immune health and what else is on there, Uh, sleep and meditation and a bunch of other things. We want it all right. So, but we want all of it. So so for the, the key for most people is that and I call it my startup protocol is that for most people, you need to have a block of hyperbaric therapy. So like Monday through Friday, weekends off for, if you can, 10 to 20 sessions to just start making that epigenetic shift. And it depends on what, where you're looking to go. So for example, if you're just looking for neurocognitive optimization, the mild chambers can really do that very well in about 20 sessions. 
conditions, you're going to see a significant benefit if you're relatively healthy. If you're in a deeper chamber, uh, a medical grade chamber, about 20 hyperbaric sessions in is when you start seeing angiogenesis. That's when you start seeing new blood vessel growth. And if you look at some of the Israeli, Israeli data that has come out over the last couple of years, and they, they do 60 hyperbaric sessions in most of their protocol. Uh, their last study that they came out with, and Nat, I know you know about this and we've spoken about it. Mm -hmm. uh, they showed that after 60 hyperbaric sessions at two atmospheres for 90 minutes, they had a significant increase in uh, telomere length and yeah. they had a significant downregulation of senescent cell populations. Yeah, and the that senescent made a big cells. Yeah. yeah, and so, but I'm not as much interested in the telomeres for a lot of reasons. I mean, you've spoken about this. What does that really mean? Do you want telomeres to lengthen? Uh, they weren't doing any dietary lifestyle behavioral stuff at all to these people in the study. They were all over 65 years of age and they were all healthy in quotes. But you as well, as I know, that if, if you put somebody in an MRI scanner at about 50 or 55 years of age, and you look at their brain, a static image of their brain, what it's gonna show is what's called microvascular ischemic changes. So as soon as, as we get older, our brain starts to shrink and it shrinks because blood vessels start to die. Yeah. And um, this is what we call natural aging, but it doesn't have to be, and it does, it's not supposed to be there, but that's because of standard American diets and toxic exposures and stress pollutants and, and pollutants yeah. and all the other yeah. shit. So. Yeah what hyperbaric therapy seems to be able to do from previous studies from this one is regrow regrow blood vessels in the brain if i can speak wow regrow blood vessels that's actually a good i like that yeah. blussels <laughs> yeah it's, that was me blussels and blood vessels yeah together. yeah there you go you Nash could clean it. that yeah <laughs> so blood vessels in the brain blood vessels in the heart around the heart mm -hmm. and blood vessels in the genital area so they've act there was a study on erections specifically and hyperbaric therapy, improving erections after I think it was 40 hyperbaric sessions in that particular protocol. So again, and this, this is, is the hard chamber. So this is the this, two to 2.4 or is this yes, the lower? Yes. This is the medical grade chamber is that go to two atmospheres. Okay. So I get a question a lot is, can I get the same benefit in the mild chambers as I can get in the hard chambers that have the study data? And the answer is that there's no indication that the mild units can do the same thing as the heart chamber units. You think about it this way, and I talked about pressure in the beginning. If you have a, a pressure of 1.3 versus a pressure of 2.0, there's a, a significant amount more yeah. oxygen getting in circulation at 2.0, and yeah. there's a significant amount of oxygen that's getting outside of a blood vessel yeah. due to the hydrostatic or pressure that's going to diffuse into tissue. And that's never going to be the same in a 1.3 environment. Yeah. Even like over longer, you're still not going to get it. Like right. there's a, there's a piece of the pressure that you yes. just can't reproduce. And in my world, you have the mild hyperbaric doctors or the companies that will say, Oh no, all you need to do is more and you'll get the same thing. No. It's the same amount of oxygen, Yeah, but it's, it's not true. There's no evidence of that at all. Now, if you have 1.3, versus 1.5 in a medical grade chamber versus 1.3 in a mild unit, I do think that over time, very likely you can kind of approximate the benefit uh, of those two things. And this is important for people that are getting treated for traumatic brain injury or mm -hmm. stroke, or they have other neurocognitive related things that they're using the chamber for, Parkinson's, uh, Alzheimer's, dementia. I use hyperbaric therapy almost interchangeably for those two population, with that, that population in the two types of chambers but the, the mild units you need to do more of to get yeah. the same benefit. So, right. but I, and then of course, then you all add on all the 
additional technologies, the supplements, the diet, the lifestyle, and then the low-level light therapy and the other ways of increasing blood flow and, and things. And then the question is, can you approximate something in a mild unit that's similar to what you can do in a medical grade unit? And the answer is, I don't know for sure, yeah. but I think we can, we can probably bridge that gap yeah. significantly because we're using all these other things and optimizing people's health. But I, I don't know. Right? Yeah. So when it comes down to it for the average person that's looking to get hyperbaric therapy, I often say, if you can get into a hard chamber, if you're relatively healthy, if you can get to a hard chamber for 20 sessions every couple of years, just to optimize oh, 20, so 20 to 30 sessions, if you could, yeah. and then a mild unit would be great to have at the house for almost everybody because it helps with everything that I mentioned it, and neurocognitively, you can use it regularly to help with your brain function. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I do. I will try to, I have my own chamber at the house. I use it regularly for neurocognitive related things, muscle recovery, jet lag, performance related metrics. Recovery is the biggest one though. Mm -hmm. And I'll meditate in there. I'll do my work in there depending on the day. And I use it as a sensory deprivation chamber. Sometimes it just depends on what I want to do. And although at night, if I use it, I just usually just fall asleep in it. It's a great place to have a nap. Actually, if you do yeah. a really small session, like like a 30 minute session is a great way to get like a good little power nap. nap, power nap in the chamber. Yeah. Um, I have some of my high performing or very wealthy clients that have their own medical grade chambers actually. But even if they do, I say, if you're going to take a nap in there, just to go to 1.3 or 1.5, take a 30 minute nap. You're going to feel like a million bucks. So uh, I have a question. Yeah. There's this question that's been circling around my brain and I keep forgetting it's the one that I keep stumbling around BPC 157 peptide. And I know you've been exploring peptides sure. for a while now, and we've talked about it quite a lot. Um, BPC 157 is said to drive angiogenesis as well. And so have you looked, I mean, I'm guessing again, there's no studies, but you've talked about how hyperbaric chamber therapy will itself drive angiogenesis Right. And I guess the question to answer or to, or to investigate over time will be, can the use of BBC-157 stacked with hyperbaric chamber therapy somehow optimize that yeah. effect or yeah, speed I, it up? Or... I, have, I certainly haven't explored it yet, Yeah, uh, but, I'm, but I'm interested. And, and a number of the peptides, as we've discussed now, yeah. especially- yeah, The bioregulators, bio like the blood vessel. The bioregulators, yeah. Right. Especially the bioregulators and how they can speed up the process. Because I'm always interested in doing things better- faster and safer in the chamber as I can. And that's what the HBOT Plus company is all about. And we're creating some new technology to try to work on uh, pressure differentials and things like that, which will be coming out soon, hopefully next year, uh, to try to figure out ways to make the effects faster if we can. Mm -hmm. and that's what I'm always looking at with the integrations is how can we integrate these other tools, supplements, technologies, trip to the jungle or whatever it might be to, <laughs> to optimize brain function. I actually have some ALS patients that are doing high dose mushroom journeys and microdosing with the, with doctors and other practitioners that they're working with and using hyperbaric therapy at the same time, because we know these things have neurogenesis potential. Mm -hmm. So it's all on the table to try to optimize and try to make things happen faster. So fun. Okay. So I know you have a hard stop in, mm, Oh, geez. Is that four minutes, two minutes? Two minutes. Uh, yeah. Two minutes. Unfortunately. So yeah. let's just talk a little bit about how people can find you. What are the initiatives you've got going on? What can sure. people access? What can't they access? Yeah. And then let's promise people that we're recording yeah. a second podcast where we're going to talk about the health optimization medicine 
framework that you, you use. And we're also going to talk about methylene blue, because of course you've got this other funky Smurf cap called transcriptions that you also wear, Indeed. which I um, use in the chamber too, right? Methylene blue of course is you do. <laughs> yeah. And it's another supplement that really can be used uh, to help with, with energy production and mitochondrial optimization. So we'll certainly talk about that next time. And uh, yeah. Uh, so my, the way I work is that I am a hyperbaric consultant Mm-hmm. I work as a consultant, educator, and advocate, let's say. And I work with people all over the world and I consult, edu- educate, and advocate for them, whether it be for local hyperbaric facilities, helping them getting chambers. And then again, most of my conversation, about 80% of it is not all about hyperbaric therapy at all. Typically, it's about everything else that will help optimize potentially using hyperbaric therapy if it's appropriate at the time and then yeah. the type of chamber that's involved. And so that's my hyperbaric practice, my consulting practice. And then I have a company called HBOT Plus, which is developing technology that's going to make hyperbaric chambers work better, faster and safer, as I was alluding to before. And that's on the hyperbaric side. I also work work with clinics as well to optimize their protocols and integrate other technologies. And uh, I've been involved in the biohacking world for a long time since I met Dave Asprey at my office in San Francisco in 2013. And we talked about coffee. Yeah. And we talked about hyperbaric therapy. And uh, so it's been a great ride and it's been a lot of fun to be involved in the world uh, from an optimization perspective. And it kind of brings back to my roots of being the son of a chiropractor and always looking at understanding ways that the body can heal itself. But now I do it in a way that's data-driven, which is pretty cool. I right? love it. And, and so it's been yeah. fun, but thanks for having me, Nat. And I look forward to- No, no, you haven't time. told people how to find you. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> um, my website is- uh, <laughs> It's integrativehbot.com. You can also find me on Instagram at Dr. Scott Schur. I try to post there when I can. Uh, I think those are the main major places at this point to find me. Okay, that is phenomenal. I'm going to do this ridiculous thing. I'm going to take a picture. No, I'm not going to take a picture. I was going to take a picture of our of us, but then that I realized that would have been an image of me holding up a camera. We'll do it next time um, with our tongues. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, with blue tongues, exactly. Yes. Because in yeah. order to record the methylene blue podcast, we have to both be of course. using methylene yes. blue at that time. We'll be bluing ourselves. Yes. Okay. Well, I, I can't thank you enough. You're not leaving me until we have a at least have a conversation about the next date. But thank you so much, Scott. It's been such a pleasure to have you here today. It's always today. a pleasure, Ned. Thanks for having me. And I hope this is helpful for people. And yeah, please reach out if you have any questions. Happy to have the conversations and help make hyperbaric therapy something part of your life or, or not at all if you don't want it. And you can talk about the other 80% stuff too. That's exactly. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly, or if you'd like to leave any comments, or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, natnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application. Just answer a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again. And we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.